and welcome to the very 105th Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. The podcast all about board games, people who love board games and board games. My name is Matt Lees and today I am joined by Tom Brewster. Hello, Matt, again. We are having a lovely, fun evening, afternoon on the podcast. We've just been a whole day filming a fun review for you. Yeah, it's a spicy secret though. We can't talk about it now. Can't talk about it now, but I can let you know we've just cracked open a couple of cold beers. Ooh. Although Tom's is a ginger beer and mine is a non-alcoholic <laughs> We're living a, a responsible adult life. Exactly, and I'm still wearing a bow tie. So <sighs> I didn't notice that. It's important to be dapper, mm-hmm. even when no one can see you. Although I very rarely wear a bow tie because I just don't. Anyway, on tonight's podcast, we are going to be talking about Orleans stories. Ooh. Ooh. Big city. Ooh. Nemesis. Mm. We should we should stop doing this. And stockpile. What was stop doing what? The, ooh. It's the oh. most natural thing in the world, Tom. <laughs> Don't let take away these tiny, or, tiny pleasures. Are from you gonna me. pretend that you put them in in post? Mm. Some audience reactions. Yes. So without further ado, let's talk about a game. Which one should we talk about first? Let's start things nice and sweet and simple and smooth with a game called Stockpile. Yes. And this is Stockpile. It's a special edition which has all the bits in yeah, it, right? The big deluxe epic edition. I think, deluxe it's called, edition. I think it's called Epic Edition. Okay. Which, sure. you know, is fine. fine. It's fine. Uh, Stockpile is a wonderful game about doing stock trading. And it's a really great little entry level game. It's not too difficult. It was so easy that my family could play it. You said it passed the teacher to your dad. It was. Uh, it, Test. Yeah, it definitely got past the teacher to your dad test, which was surprising. So in Stockpile, everyone plays as an investor doing some investing in six different companies. That's all the companies there are. That's as many companies as there are in the real world. (laughs) I mean, there are about six companies in the world, really, if you think about it. That's true. Because they do kind of own everything. They got Coca-Cola, Unilever. Does Uh, Unilever own? Anyway, get ahead of myself. You're right. Yeah. So you can invest in six different companies Mm -hmm. um, and on your turn in the game, there's different phases for each round. The first phase is you get given some information about the stock market, which will be which stock is going to go up, which is going to go down Mm -hmm. in that round. And everyone gets their own piece of insider information, which you then get to use later. And then you have these stockpiles that get laid out in front of you and the stockpiles contain stocks. Right. Yeah. I know that's clever, isn't it? I can tell that you're impressed. That's, yeah, so so are these piles like face down that you draw from? So you, everyone places one of their cards. They get dealt two stock cards, and mm-hmm. they put one face down and one face up in each mm-hmm. pile. And then players then bid on each of these piles, putting their little meeple on how much they want to bid. And then after that, you get them all in your hand, and you have an opportunity to sell, and then everything gets revealed where the stuff goes up or down at the end of the round. Now, the things I like about Stockpile because I bet you're rearing to know what's so great about this very simple little system. Mm-hmm. And the, the great thing about it is that it relies on you really looking at the people around you and basing your big investment decisions off their panic. Because <laughs> the main way that you'll know to sell something is if the person before you goes, I'm going to sell all my stocks in this. And you go, oh, blimey, it's probably going to go downhill. Right. And then you sell all your stocks in it because you're terrified. Uh-huh. And equally... Uh, when people want to pick up something really badly. So if someone's bidding higher and higher and higher on uh, one of the stockpiles, you go, I don't know what's in there, but I bloody want it. And you start (laughs) putting your meeple higher and higher on there. So it's kind of a nice little system where you're constantly looking at the people around the table and collectively going like, ooh, and ah, when things... What do they know? Whoop, I'm 
shaking my mic. When stuff goes up and down, it's like you're looking at mainly when everyone at the end of the round, when everyone reveals where everything goes, you get these whoops and ugh's when people are like, oh yeah, all this cool stuff that I've got in my hand has gone really high and all oh, this stuff that I didn't, I sold has also gone high. Oh no, I shouldn't have sold it. Should have sold. It's got all that. And I imagine that a lot of like bigger, bulkier stock trading games have much similar experiences, but this boils it down to a kind of raw essence that I mm. think can get, you know, even my family got excited about it, which was really surprising. I think, you know, if, if you can get your, your dad interested in insider trading. Yes. And there's something to be said. <laughs> Something's gone reasonably well question on the mark. other end of the the spectrum of things uh something we've been playing a bit of at the moment we're playing more of and talking more about in the future it's city of the big shoulders oh yes which is a uh, chicago based uh stocks and shares uh euro business running thing of pork and men and trains and <laughs> shoes and that is quite a wonderful thing i particularly enjoyed as a little tease yeah. in the manual, it has half a page which just says some important concepts about money, which is basically <laughs> just explaining embezzlement. Yes, uh, I saw that. For anyone who's been a long-time listener of the podcast will enjoy the fact that uh, that uh, Quinn's obviously didn't really know about embezzlement at one point. He was I've, like, is there I've a crime if you take money from your own company? It's like, yep, that's embezzlement. <laughs> but it's nice that the manual has to have that of being like, no, listen, just because you own this company, it doesn't mean the money that the company owns is yours and you can't just take it whenever you want which I found incredibly sweet. But then when I was explaining the game to people, people were like, oh, and I was like, okay, maybe lots of people don't understand embezzlement. embezzlement. <laughs> but it's hey. more common than you'd think. So I'm guessing you don't have to worry about dividends and embezzlement in stock. You have to worry about dividends a little bit. Do you? Because one of the cards that you can pull, so when you're getting those forecast cards that show you what's going to happen mm-hmm. each round, uh, you can pull a dividends card, which means any stock that you have in your portfolio pays you a couple Ooh. of grand, which is quite nice. So you might want to hold on to something so that you get paid out there. And also at the end of the game, whoever has the most in each company gets paid 10 grand for having the most in that company. Mm. So there's always an incentive just to hold on to stuff, but you want to sell it when it's high. And that's compounded with a wonderful system, which I should have explained earlier, um, which is I told you that stocks go up and down along the rail Mm -hmm. uh, of their prices. But at some point, you can have a stock that goes over the top of the rail. What happens there? What happens when it gets to the end of the track? It splits, which means you put it from your regular portfolio into your split portfolio, which means it's worth double for all intents and purposes. So you can sell it for double. Uh, It's worth two cards at the end of the game, all that jazz. But, but, but... I think there's going to be a problem here, isn't it? There's going to be a problem because if it ever goes to the other end of the line, if you ever get it going off the bad end of the mm-hmm. spectrum, if it comes worth this, you get rid of every single stock you have of that company in either of your portfolios. Oh, So there's definitely an aspect where I was playing a game where I was really leaning into having the most of this one company and really trying to keep it you know, afloat. Mm-hmm. And then everyone was like, let's try, let's and, let's try and crash it. <laughs> let's crash it. Because there, <laughs> there are these rare stock cards you can get which let you directly bump or decrease a stock. Oh, nice. So everyone was looking at me like, Tom's doing pretty well out of that. I think that's, I mean, I think that's a key part of a stocks and shares game is you have to be able to just be like, hey, let's just crash that company. Yes. Um, that's that's where the fun is. <laughs> Absolutely. Me. I mean, the only way that that can really happen is if everyone kind of like all chips in to mm. specifically crash something. <laughs> well, um, economies are based on belief. And if everyone believes whoa. that you need to lose, Tom, then you're going to no, lose. You're going to lose. That's um, economies. But the Epic Edition uh, has all of this extra bonus content as well in the box, which I'm yet to dive into, but mm-hmm. some of it looks pretty interesting. Okay. Cool. Uh, there's an alternate side for the board, which has every company has variable prices. 
Uh, there's investor cards, mm-hmm. so you can have like a special ability. There's all sorts of nice little gubbins in there, which okay. should make the game have a little bit more life in it, because I'm really enjoying it. Well, interesting. Yeah, you've said you've been really enjoying it, and you found it to be like a really nice, light, introductory, simple game. Yes. Um, so yeah, be interested to find out uh, if you delve into it, if the extra bits are just fluff, or if they kind of make it shape up to be something else as well. Who knows? Well, we'll we might come back to that in the future, but otherwise, that's Stockpile. Um, mm. A fun, light stock trading game. Fun, light stock it's trading really game. Good for dads. Sounds like it's good for dads. <laughs> it's one and for the dads. Good for dads and good for Tom. Yeah. Right? Isn't it, two categories. Isn't it about time that we found a game that was good for those two things? Next up on our game safari, we're going to be uh, very carefully trapping, humanely, mm. a little game called Orleans Stories. Oh, God. <laughs> Not a little game a little called game. Orleans Stories. All right. So Orleans Stories is a big box experience that's trying to riff off the lovely little tune of Orleans, mm. a bag builder game, which is a game where you basically put lots of things into a bag and then pull them out each round. And it's like going through a deck. It's, really. it's, it's like a similar, I can't think of the name of the game. Uh, it's like a game that's like a builder, but you have a deck in it. It's like a, it's like ah oh, the the deck deck games. Deck yeah, games. it's, it's like just like those like those deck games but we've been hearing about. And it's a nice thing because you basically get to pick up these little discs, and in Orleans you pick up little discs of people. So you might have a farmer or a merchant or a knight, and you 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 hire them, and they go into your bag, and then you draw them out, and you go ah dang it, I wanted to hire, I wanted to pull out four peasants this turn, and I've pulled out. A Flipping fish man. Stupid monk. Yeah, no, the monk. Although that's not true. Yeah, the monk's, monk's great. Monks are universally useful. Anyway. As we all know. As we all know. It's a Euro <laughs> game. Come on. Um, it was also Altiplano, a game that I liked a lot more than I had any right to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's made by the same team. And it was basically Orleans, but more with llamas. Mm. Which I think really did improve it. Improve it for me. But I think Orleans is still a better game. And I think sure. it's it's... You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who didn't agree with that. So Orleans Stories is taking the base of this kind of medieval monk people-in-a-bag game and putting it within the wrapper of a narrative. Yes. Of going through a story. Now, in this insanely gigantic box, really, it must it's, be like two feet by a feet by a foot. Yeah, it's pretty chunky. Um, You get two stories. And those two stories are basically two games that can go on for a while. We played the first story. We did. For just two players. <laughs> and it must have been about three hours. It was, it felt like five, honestly. <laughs> we kind of, maybe burying the lead here, we didn't really get on with all the answers. No, stories, not really. Um, to the point where I, I kind of had to say to Tom, like, because Tom was like, there's something here. <laughs> <laughs> There's something here that's really good. And I was like, well, have you played Orlean? You're like, no. So I'm like, okay, well, let's play Orlean. Yes. And I haven't asked you this. Was the something there that was like something there? Was the something there just Orlean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so the base game as an idea, great. Yep. Um, however, first things first, this spreads across the table uh, like hot honey. Yes. Effectively. It, it was everywhere. It got into yeah. all the pores of the table, all the creases. <laughs> it Horrible. Was, it was tremendous. It, just for two people, it filled up a large table mm-hmm. uh, with these little boards of things to track. and Which are lovely. Like it looks amazing. Mm. And it looked lovely spread across the table. I was like, damn, I want to play this game. Yeah. Because it, it's just so, like the, in, like the little incidental art details and these little things, wonderful. Yeah. But then... Yeah, so I, it's interesting in the fact that it's trying to tell a story of um, you going through eras. Yeah. 
And it does that by you having different rule criteria for each of these different eras. And you go through eight of them, or eight or ten within the I game. Think, I mean, I'm, I'm probably 12. wrong. <laughs> Honestly, 12 is the number that's jumping out Maybe to me. Maybe it was 12. Yeah, it was definitely more than eight. Anyway, you it go felt through... felt like more than eight. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a running theme. Um, the interesting thing is you go through these different eras and things change. So it might be like, oh no, like, you know, it's famine time, which means like you can't, you can only pull out four people from your bag, but then being like, oh great, like big commerce time, which means now you get to pull out eight people from your bag every round, but you can't do any fighting. Yeah. And so each era has different rules and different criteria that you need to meet in order to move on to the next era. And the interesting twist is, you don't all move on to different eras at the same time. Right. Which means I can be stuck in like mad expansionist territory, whereas you can be in famine land for half an I hour. was in famine land. Oh, well, I think I skipped through famine land. It was plague it was land. It was the plague land. I started land. To, yeah. to suffer. Yeah, you got stuck in plague land for a while. Well, Matt, I got stuck in plague land right at the end of the game, I seem to remember, <laughs> where I was so close to winning and then Matt wouldn't let me have enough wood to build one church. Yeah. This is the weird thing is you don't win the game by getting through each of the different phases. No. You win the game by filling in this bingo sheet of jobs. <laughs> and it's it's very strange in the fact that it's trying to tell it. It's one of these games where this happens a lot. It says stories on the box. Yeah. Didn't really feel like a story. No, no. It just felt like a really, really long, complicated Euro game. And the fact that you've got all the Orlean thing of placing workers on slots to then get things and resources and get more workers but then we also had an area control map mm -hmm. which has yes. resources on it and we could fight each other yeah you could take territory with soldiers that you pulled from your bag and put yeah. on your home sheet and then oh god you could technically i think maybe knock people out of the game that way yeah there's a, a lot of people on bgg were saying that it's like a euro game with with player elimination mm. in a way that like you could potentially get eliminated early on and then have to spend the next like two hours watching other people yeah, play the game. Even if you didn't get completely knocked out, you could be, I mean, maybe in the second scenario, which we didn't bother playing. No. Um, in case, again, in case you haven't known, we weren't that keen on this. <laughs> um, there may be completely like harsh elimination stuff, but especially in the first one, it just felt that like you could get really stuck. Absolutely. And not entirely be your fault. Yeah, I, I certainly felt like that towards the end where I was I was a little bit at the mercy of the, the first player token. <laughs> mercy of me. <laughs> well, I, we ended the game and this is absolutely ridiculous. After three hours of having this incredibly complicated, long uh, sort of back and forth, the only thing that Tom needed to do to win the game was just build a cathedral. Just one little cathedral. And all you needed to build that cathedral was one bit of wood. I had, I had nearly enough. But because of the closed economy of the game, <laughs> and because of the, the systems that we'd had some abilities that he would have been able to steal a piece of wood from me, but we'd kind of locked that out now yeah. for enough time that it was irrelevant, there was no more wood. There was none. And every time any wood <laughs> appeared, I just snaffled the first player token. God, it was the worst. And bought up all of the wood, purely yep. because I knew that by stopping you from building this cathedral, <laughs> you couldn't win. No, there was no way. It was the only thing the only I had left to build. And I was just there hoarding this wood. And you're like, so frustrating. I just need a piece of wood. And I'm like, you may never build this cathedral. <laughs> and for a game that was trying to tell a story, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It was like kind of, it was kind of like going through a history textbook after it had been run through a shredder. <laughs> In the sense that you made a, a really a good observation that one of the problems with the game was having that little book with all the different eras in it. Because oh you always yeah. have you have like a player reference that shows you what the era you're in right now uh -huh. and what you need to do to go to the next one. 
And it was like having the TI tech tree. You know how that was always a pain in TI3, like mm. passing it around? And it's like having that, but every player has to have one at all times, and there's 12 of them in one book. Yeah. It's insane. It's like yeah. an exercise book. It did feel like, yes, yeah, remembering now, it felt exactly like an exercise book. It yeah. felt like you were reading a textbook at school, and then suddenly the teacher started talking about something, and you were like, realized you were eight pages behind. <laughs> everyone else was Absolutely. in a completely different chapter. Everyone else is learning about the plague, and you're yeah. still learning about how to till a field. And there was something really fun about that, about like, about like okay, now I'm going to this new thing. Now I need to read yeah. about the new rules, read things. But it just meant that at one point I think I was two stages ahead of you mm-hmm. and you got to another one you were like oh god no I've got to do that and I'm like yeah of course to get out of this phase <laughs> you need to do this and that of course I've been there done that and also the fact that the pace changed so dramatically so we had a long period where you only got to use four workers every time and yes. I was using eight yeah that was weird too and that is just bizarre in the fact that you then have a pace where the game is supposed to be kind of semi uh, like synchronized you can mm. sort of do bits together but then having to wait for somebody who has so much more to think about. Yes. Yeah, like, that's true as well. If you have four people, your turn takes like a second. Yeah. Whereas eight is like, mm, I'm just going to... It just dragged on and on. And it was just faintly ridiculous. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I'm glad that we played it because it was like a really strange experience. Mm. But would I I would never buy it because I, I would never want to play it again. It's bizarre. Honestly, it's bizarre. And... It's an interesting thing that we're starting to see at the moment is lots of classic games being kind of brought back into the foreframe with either big luxury editions or spins or takes on things. And it feels like this is the maybe coming towards the end of the tale of being like, what happens if we take this classic game and give it a legacy style story? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, (laughs) I'm just thinking about this now and you're going to hate me for making for bringing this game up once again mm-hmm. it's like glenmore chronicles 2 <laughs> it really is you just keep on coming i just back keep thinking about glenmore, glenmore chronicles 2 well, yeah there's, you've got glenmore chronicles 2 we've got this we've got even the suburbia thing which is not trying to do a story thing but right again being like hey here's a great game here's a version of it with way too much stuff yeah um yeah i just wasn't sure who this was for we ended up playing this to be fair we didn't go into this game expecting it to be that great no. i really wanted to check it out just because it seemed to have such a widely people who hated it on board game geek really hated it yes and i just thought you know what like something that's rated well yeah the people that hated the it absolutely hated yeah. it the people that loved it absolutely loved yeah, it yeah so i was like there's something interesting here and it was interesting yeah would not recommend it no as an experience no, especially we played it with two i think with four you might be there um for a long time yeah. it's sort of a kind of like train someone to the radiator kind of game frankly, <laughs> rather than like invite someone around for a you're going to be stuck in the peasant <laughs> era like, forever it's like you have to play yes even though you can never make a cathedral <laughs> it's such a weird disconnect in the fact that you've got all these different things you can do all these different objectives all these different things to, the shared objectives and then sure. you win by filling in this inert bingo list of like of jobs to do which brings it back to the uh, the exercise book it's like filling in assessment criteria for an essay yeah, it's like it's actually have like, you fulfilled yes. ao1 like yep tick yeah that's a really like it's it's like having to be a teacher marking a thing being yep. like hey we've taught you all these great stories about history but now we're going to mark you based on whether you can remember these eight facts <laughs> and uh yeah it's not a really shiny indictment and the disappointment of course when we start reading the story cards and we're like are they interesting and it's like yeah, no no <laughs> never out. mind Who'd have thought? Onwards. Uh, so that's all the stories. Uh, again, uh, 
really couldn't recommend this no. gigantic hell box. But um, Orlean is still great. It's fantastic. I don't know if it's in print right now or available, but keep an eye out for it. Have a go at it in a cafe. Yeah. Uh, Altiplano, I think, goes on for too long. But I think Altiplano with The Traveller, which mm. is an expansion for it, does mix it up and does make it uh, probably still too long, but it's more interesting and more exciting. And I've got a real soft spot for that llama fun in my heart. Oh, yes. And you can watch the video of it on the website. It's a very quick one. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Let's keep going. Next, on the topic of gigantic, beloved old games, uh-huh. we played a, a big old game called Big City. Big City? Big City. I keep thinking that when you say big city, you're going to say big city big of city the big, of the big shoulders. shoulders. <laughs> it's like, that's not what it's called. No, no, no. But I wish I was saying that. Yeah, that'd be a treat. A treat for the mouth. Uh, <laughs> sadly, no, I'm just saying big city. Now, big city is interesting in the fact that it's made by Mercury Games and it is a beloved game from about 20 years ago. Sure. And this is an interesting game about building a big city. Yeah. Again, in true Mercury Games style, it comes with the luxury edition of it. comes with these gigantic uh, resin buildings. Plastic tombstone they're buildings. Plastic, they're resin. Uh, different kind of weight to it. Okay. And it's a different kind of smoothness. <laughs> you, um, live, you know, I was going to say you live next to, but you work next to a plastic specialist, so you should know I do. when something just ain't your standard plastics. Standard plastics, uh-huh. right? This is resin. It's different. It's heavier. It's nicer. And you know what? Like, when we reviewed uh, a container, yeah. when we reviewed container, we were not super hot on the gigantic boats. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think at one point we dropped one of them in the bath, and that wasn't a slight <laughs> on the boat, but it's just, it's, they're big, chunky, heavy things. Sure. And whilst I actually did feel like shifting around these big chunky boats did add something to the kind of aesthetic of the game it was kind of inexcusable in the game which was that expensive right and yeah it didn't really land however i saw this a couple of years ago and when you've got these lovely little resin buildings you kind of think actually you know what if you're gonna have (laughs) really big chunky heavy things that you can plop down yeah buildings feels like a good fit for that yeah because you actually then have a nice 3d kind of texture to things and you can mm. feel like you're you're building up something. It was nice when we had the stuff out on the board. It did have that nice feeling of like being a god looking in your tiny city. <laughs> Look at my tiny people. Look at it. And actually mechanically it was really interesting on paper. So in Big City you get given some cards and you can draw up more cards as you go through the game from these different parts of the potential city. The city Only begins, though, with four different locations. And these boards are basically grid sections. So you might have from number one to number 11. And that's all of the one pile. And you might have from number 12 up to 22. And that's the number two pile. It goes all the way up to seven or eight. So you can expand this city as you go. But in the meantime, each of these cards that you're drawing, most of them just have numbers on. Which means if you've played a game like Chinatown or Lords of Vegas then it's similar in the fact that you go, okay, well, I've got the 18 plot. That piece of land is mine. Now, by collecting different ones, you can basically collect enough space to build up into whatever you want. So you could be like, I'm going to build on these three here. Now, you have this big shopping list of buildings you can build. And really, the basic criteria for most things is, do you have the plots that are the right shape and size to put that on Mm -hmm. the board? And if you own all of those ones, then you can go, I'm using all of these. And I'm putting this here. Yeah. However, 
you then have this interesting system of having you have to have a town hall in the town before yes. you can make most of the buildings. So you're just making these very basic things until somebody makes a town hall. Then you have these special buildings that say, hey, it's got to be next to the town hall. Mm-hmm. It's got to be next to the monorail. It's got to be next to a park. And if you do that, you score loads of points. Now, interestingly, in a game about building a big city, you don't have any money or resources or anything like that. It's simply that when you place something on the board, it scores you points. Yeah. And then that's that's it. That's You've waved goodbye to that nice big building. Now, that build, big building is no it's longer there. yours anymore. Yeah. It's just there. And somebody else might build next to it and get some sort of points bonus. And in theory... This is quite interesting, especially when you then have mechanics such as parks and factories, which you can put down on any location you Mm. want. You don't need to have ownership of the plots, which means you can kind of see somebody sneaking over and doing some weird stuff. And you think, you know what? They're about to plonk down some sort of big scoring building there. And you can just suddenly go, hey... I'm putting a factory yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot a of that. There. there was a lot of, uh, I felt very, I felt victimized in my <laughs> you game. Were, you were victimized. As my, as my large, you could see my whole, because the cards, each area of the board has a different color corresponding to it. So mm-hmm. you can see that I had all these light blue cards in my hand mm-hmm. that must have all been, you know, the plot starting with eight or whatever. And you were like, right, let's, 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 let's screw this over. Let's <laughs> a big park down in the middle of eight. Yep. Or even the fact that a lot of the big scoring things rely you to be building next to uh, the tram. Mm. I think it's a tram. Not the, one, it right? was the uh, the streetcar. Streetcar. Yes. Again, lovely little models. These little like chrome silver mm. things. They look great on the board. Really popped. And they fit between the buildings in they a really do. nice way as well. Yeah. So that was fun. And the fact that people have to then expand them out in a way which kind of telegraphs maybe what they're planning yeah, to absolutely. do. absolutely. And it's very easy to then just go, oh, what happens if I put a park just across <laughs> there? Meaning that you can't run your monorail any further yes. down that road. So there's all sorts of opportunities to be kind of annoying and sniping at one another in this big fictional city that you don't quite own. However, you also have at the end of each round a scenario whereby you can either put up one, well, two or one as minimum of cards, which you can either put Mm. face up or face down, and then you all have to take cards from other people, which means your hand is always being slightly filtered, but sometimes in a way you don't have much control over, which means... You can just think, okay, well, these cards are useless now. And well, if they're useless, they get taken out of the game. But technically, you could be like, I don't want this anymore. Give it to someone else. Sure. But also, you could just be sneakily drawing up more and more cards for a tile which isn't yet currently on the map and then doing the action that allows you to add a new chunk of space to the city. And there's all sorts of other rules about like whether or not a space is in a city or on the outskirts of the yep, city. Yep. It all seems quite neat. It all seems relatively simple, really. Um, but it just didn't quite land. No. <laughs> it's it's kind of sad because it's like, I read the manual and I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. Mm. This sounds quite cool. But the feeling of, again, it's like for having these big, chunky resin buildings, you don't get to feel like you're you're making a city. <laughs> no. It's you put it down and then you get points. It's and very it's mechanical, isn't it, really? Like it's it's, there's no ownership of what you've done once you've put it down. Because I kind of stuck to the same area but once you realize that like parks you don't need the actual plots to put them down you just Mm -hmm. have the card if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. so it just felt like this game where we were all vying for control of this big plot of land and just plonking stuff down whenever it suited it was weird it was strange and it was strange especially being like okay well i'm going to develop this area and then you realize oh it's not a good idea so you just completely abandon it and move somewhere else which again thematically 
that, that works. Yeah, absolutely. But the fact that you're building these things and then you just don't have any connection to it ever again. No. And in fact, like it may be that someone else profits from... Again, I don't know, maybe that is thematically correct. Maybe, yeah. I just feel like, again, it's uh, maybe... You just didn't get to feel like you were playing with your bits. And, you know, that is not something that games have to do. Like, right. Games don't have to be these toys. Yeah. Right. But a game we played and talked about on a previous podcast, Era, mm. uh, the Medieval Age, was interesting in the fact that you, you really a lot of the joy of that was plugging these little buildings into the sure, board yeah. and being able to pick up and look at your little 3D city. And I feel like with something like this, if you're going to have these big, chunky things, and you're going to be able to place them down, then I just sort of want to make my own little city. Yeah, that's um, true. I think as as well, it's like, you know, harping on about big plastic miniatures, but it is true that like, I think that we may have looked at it a bit more positively if it was a bit smaller. Yeah. If it was much smaller, you know, I can imagine, because we've played, uh, I don't know if I played it with you, but a little game uh, called Little Town, which oh, yeah, is we have such that, yeah. a charming little game with similar kind of like things where you put something down and someone else can just profit off the mm-hmm. thing you've put mm-hmm. down straight away. Yeah. And I think that, that game benefits so much from being this tiny little box that you just pop open and it's there. Whereas Big City, with those massive resin buildings in their plastic inlays, it feels like an event game. You know, you're getting yeah. out this huge thing. When really, I think, again, it would be suited to something much smaller. Yeah, no, I think so. I think it was a quite an interesting, slightly abstract, like, point-scoring puzzle game, sure. really. And it definitely did feel like a game from 20 years ago. Not necessarily in a terrible way. Like, it just <laughs> felt a little bit... Um, I could have done them a little bit sharp around the edges. Yeah. And yeah, it was just a shame. And the fact that basically the promise of the rules made me think, oh, this could be really interesting. And in reality, it just kind of wasn't that interesting. And yeah. we kind of got about two thirds of the way through and realized how much longer we had to go. And <laughs> like, I don't know if I can be bothered doing this anymore. Yeah. It was strangely sad being like, oh, I've done my big project, but now I doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I've got my points and now I'm leaving. Now town. Matt's profiting off it. Oh. Yeah. And I think that that could have been it's not that in when you say that it mm. sounds like but that sounds like yeah know, that sounds like a kind of a cutthroat like game a cutthroat game yeah, sure. right but then i think you look at something like lords of vegas mm. where it has a similar thing of being like hey this is my land and now like i'm building a thing and hey now you're profiting off of my thing and oh hey now i'm taking it all off you yeah it has that but it still fundamentally has ownership and i feel like mm. actually the fact that you you remove that abstraction of ownership yes um does doesn't necessarily limit the game but it definitely doesn't gel with the uh, physical aesthetic that they've chosen sure no that's a fair enough and uh, i think actually on that topic uh, we've talked about two other games here so that's big city interesting definitely worth a go again big box heavy box expensive thing unless you're a fan of the game from 20 years ago it's probably one to just give it a go um however if you've not played them yet chinatown and lords of vegas are definitely ones to look out for both of those are tremendously fun games absolutely i believe that soon we're going to be getting a reprint of lords of vegas as part of a kickstarter i don't know if it's going to be getting new art or new things like that but it's getting a new expansion i think it's it's called underworld underworld which i think i played a prototype for about three or four years ago (laughs) it's been a long time coming which was uh which was funny i think we sat down to play it at shucks with uh (laughs) with quins and it's the first time we'd met the designer of lords of vegas yes and he showed us it and Quinn's just said, pointing at one of the pictures of the mobsters written on a basic card, uh-huh. is this art um, final? <laughs> and he was like, he's like, no, no, of course it isn't. And he's like, and did you think that was you asking that in a subtle way? Because <laughs> that was not subtle at all. <laughs> and it was just watching Quinn's turn bright as a 
beetroot. That's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so it was just like Mike just going, no. <laughs> oh my God, was that you trying to be subtle? You think that I put this out as final art? Like, that was wonderful. But yeah, Lords of Vegas, and uh, I've actually been sent a copy of Up, which mm-hmm. is the first expansion. Yep. And I've been very strictly informed yes. by the games developer that I'm uh, not to play Lords of Vegas Never. ever again without playing Under with Up. Any circumstances. Under any circumstances. Which is interesting because I think Lords of Vegas, as it is, is great. Same. But um, I'm keen to play it with Up. Uh, as uh, in the next thing. So we might chat about that in the podcast in the future because again, with all of this stuff, with all these games being brought back and brought back in these gigantic boxes, with your gigantic mm. editions, it's honestly just nice to see games that are great and out of print just <laughs> coming back into print. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah. Check out those fun games. And not Big City. I mean... Unless it floats your boat. Unless it floats your boat, but... It's not. I mean, I think I think container was too expensive, and that I really that, liked that. And that did lot. float your boat. It did float my boat. Oh, the art in Big City was not as terrible. It was pretty terrible. It was pretty you, terrible. You might be misremembering. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not. It's just the art in container was. <laughs> well, oh, right, exceptionally. The art bad, in huh? the container was so bad it really confused me. <laughs> it was. It was like I was staring at it like a magic eye picture, sure. trying to work out what had happened in uh-huh. Photoshop or whatever they did. It was just. It just. Conf- it really confused me. Okay. Anyway, let's not talk about this anymore. Let's move on. So now it's the point in the podcast where we talk about some of the games that we've reviewed recently. Or videos we've put on the internet Uh, online. Exactly. Now, if you're somebody who's watched all the videos, this is the point where you might be able to go, hey, you know what? I've watched those videos. I've heard them talk about that. I'm done. But if you're somebody who doesn't have time for videos or Mm. the inclination, then you can be like, hey, I can listen to a bit of that. (laughs) Maybe I'll check out the video. Yeah. It'll be worth your while. Anyway. We had a big review on the website last week, Nemesis, mm. which was me and Tom spending too long in space going mad. Yeah. Now, Nemesis is a fascinating game. I think we both really, really liked oh, it. It's fantastic. It's, it's so just good. very expensive and very big. And I kind of feel like we're getting to the point where we're just banging the same drum. <laughs> to old men going, I wish it was a bit smaller. Why did you make a near 40 minute video when you just summarized the whole game I know. In, in five I seconds? No, I saw a couple of comments on YouTube which was just like, just like, yep, yep. When someone's like, hang on a minute, you're saying that this game is like, there's too much of it and there's too, and then. <laughs> you made a video about it that's like 35 minutes long and I'm just like, fair. You've got to revel in the excess. That is such a fair criticism. Yeah, I think that's it. I think for me, the part that I really wanted to hammer home in the review was what I said. It reminds me, it's like a 7 out of 10 video game. Sure. And for me, that means something that actually I probably love more than 90% of 9 out of 10 or 10 out yes, of 10 games. Yes. And I know it's not perfect and I know it's... Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and there's things about <laughs> it that would be arguably better changed. But there's something about the product and the roughness of some of the edges that creates something so special that I wouldn't have it any other way. It's a magical mess. Like, it's yeah. a game that just has this breadth of systems that are just piled on and they're just everywhere. And it's so confusing. And mm-hmm. the rule book is just a weird jungle, but it's fantastic yeah like the sum of those parts is this crazy game that is super drenched in theme yeah i think i saw a comment as well saying uh it's the ultimate ameritrash game yeah which is a really fair well i was i was gonna say really fair criticism it's or a very fair endorsement i would say the way you look at it like yeah definitely to me i'm like yeah it is yeah it's great (laughs) and i think the shocking thing really was when i was sort of after we finished up the review and i was shooting tremendous amounts of b-roll and packing it up um (laughs) 
it made me just realize it's like there's so much going on in it. Like, yeah, we said again and again in the review, like this is so many, arguably too many interlocking systems of things. Sure. But I forgot how many there are, really, like how yeah. many components, how many bits, how many edge case rules, how many things, because it does all make sense thematically. Like, mm-hmm. There's no stuff where it's like, oh, of course, you have to remember this weird rule that doesn't. Gel. Yeah, yeah. It all just makes sense. And you do just go, of course, yeah, there's damage tokens, fire tokens, there's locked doors and there's like broken doors. And then there's the airlock system involves these three steps. It's completely different to the ship's computer. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, we internalized all of that really quickly, I think, like well, within the first game. Because all of the rules make sense thematically as well as in their ruling. Like, I think there's a line in the review where we're talking about how the if something, if you think something makes sense, thematically then mm-hmm. it makes sense in the rules as well and it kind of lines up quite nicely yeah and i think even with the granularity there's there's just so much there's so many de- def- decks of cards like yeah. events that happen every round and the fact that you've got this unique deck of enemy cards that get drawn to see what enemies do what this turn what terrible you know things what? Like, i didn't even talk about any of this stuff in a flipping 35 minute review <laughs> and it's just i think because really what I got especially hung up with with wanting to convey in this review is the fact that on paper it it shouldn't be anything like it should just be yet another thing yeah we got some big minis and yeah it's kind of like riffing on the aliens films a lot of people getting annoyed that we said that and it's like no it's this is really just like (laughs) properly like scratching off the yeah right filing off the serial number of aliens (laughs) and it's like fine if they're not going to make a you know if disney aren't going to put out a really amazing immersive thing about aliens which they won't (laughs) then someone else do it cool but it's such a fascinating experience and to really understand why you really have to drill down into the nature of uh, sort of cooperative games and the nature of games with betrayal in it and the nature of like games where you have to lie and have secret identities and secret objectives. Sure, yeah. Because it's such a weird balancing act of how it juggles all of these very specific things and manages to land this something that's really unusually special. Yeah. Um, and we go into a lot of detail on that in the video if you're interested in hearing more about that. If anything, it's like a kind of 10-minute segue about <laughs> about that kind of game to try and explain why at the end of it we're like, hey, we recommend this, despite yeah. the fact that it's like, it's really, it's probably one of the hardest recommendations I've ever given. Especially because now people are going online and saying, well, you can't even get this game. It's mm. like people are scalpers on eBay selling the, the Ultimate Edition for like $1,000. It's insane. It's a real shame. And PSA, I think, it's not worth anything, no, no, like, no. anything over the asking price. No. Is it worth the asking price? That's for you to decide. No, exactly. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't even know if that's true. Like, yeah. I don't even know if like the retail price is... It's a big question at its like RRP yeah. of whether or not it would be right for your group or whether or not it would be right for you. Sure. Uh, you know, especially if it's like, hey, I think it's a sensible thing to maybe think, hey, maybe let's buy one and then sell it or buy one yep. and then pass it on. Play or, it at a cafe or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot of options here, right? And I think it's it's a weird question. We were saying before, it's the thing of like, you know, you're like, is it okay to say like you should buy it and then sell it or buy it and then pass it yeah, on? Yeah, absolutely. Which is an interesting question, right? It's a weird like moral area. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, especially when we've seen, in, you know, coming from a background of working in video games, having people pushing back against that and the pre-owned thing particularly i think in video games because the pre-owned market um for a long time has been fairly predatory and not actually Mm. about people passing on stuff but more about a middleman taking a cut the cut again and again and again whilst not giving anything to creators sure whereas i think people trading stuff between themselves i think is a different issue no i think so but i think at the same time it's like as with any like piracy which is not piracy <laughs> it's it's more a case of uh availability and ease and 
convenience. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, presumably the run of Nemesis. I mean, Nemesis is sold out most Mm -hmm. likely when it did its original run. You know, it went out to backers and stuff. So it feels sensible to say if there's not more of it coming into the world, find an alternate route to get it by getting it off someone you know that you know. I've heard rumors there's a print and play thing knocking around. Yeah, that sounds mad. (laughs) Which is like okay. I mean, in a way, like I don't know if you got time. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to do. But then. I'm hoping that we'll see something. I mean, we know that there's probably some more stock of it coming at some point in the next few months. Hopefully. And that's why we made the review. It was tricky to put it out there when we knew the stock wasn't too great, but obviously we knew that waiting for more stock would make it look as if we timed it to that. <laughs> so you kind of can't win with these situations. But I'd say, you know, keep an eye out for it. And I'd say, you know, Awaken Realms, if you're listening, I know that you guys do lots of big kickstarter mini minigames, but I think Nemesis is genuinely interesting enough. It would be love to see a kind of more cardboard-heavy, mm. less intensely big and expensive version of this game because I do think it's it's such a strange thing that it reminds me of the kind of games we were reviewing uh, back when we started Shut Up and Sit Down with things like City of Remnants and all these games that were slightly rough around the edges but sure. really fascinating and exciting and once you had them you just kind of want to hold on to them Absolutely. forever and uh, Nemesis for a box of that size for an experience that niche I don't know how well it holds together long term in terms of at least <laughs> shelf space but that's Nemesis, and you can watch our video online. I think I think that's a really nice B-roll. Oh, gorgeous Ooh, B-roll. Some nice fun lighting in that one. <laughs> a lot of fun shooting that. And uh, yeah, I think it's quite an interesting video. Also, more recently on the website, we have a video review of Unmatched from Quinns. And this is a game that neither my Tom have actually played. Uh, Quinns <laughs> has been uh, on holiday for a few weeks, and hence not on the podcast. He'll be joining us again soon. And yeah, he's been playing that. I don't know what he thinks of it. Well, I'm excited to find out. I Let me tell he you. Likes it. He's mentioned a lot on, on our little <laughs> chats. He's been like, it's good, it's good, it's good. So I think it's going to be right. a positive one. Cool. Uh, but he loves his fighty games, and I know it's got fighting in it. So <laughs> all good. On a on a note of things I do know, though, uh, we had a video put up by Quinn's the last few weeks. Uh, to my demand, basically, I was like, you should do another really in-depth yes. video about how to teach people board <laughs> games. Because... Uh, if you've never had the pleasure of seeing it in action, Quinns is an astoundingly good person when it comes to teaching games. He is absolutely phenomenally talented at it. He's got a real nature for being able to kind of conjure up a scene and take you through it and be patient and to be kind of a great host in terms of providing you with things you need to make you feel like welcome whilst you're doing it. So he's a master of this stuff. Plus, he did a video on this before and he's combined a lot of the feedback and a lot of the extra tips that we receive from the community and he's integrated that into the latest video it's a video on youtube just called how to teach board games like a pro and i'd really recommend watching it it's kind of a master class in in getting past some bumps and dealing with some tricky situations it's a really really great resource about how to be a better game teacher <laughs> and maybe a better person oh it's a strong recommendation and maybe not <laughs> but let's let's not get carried away here get carried away. maybe there's nothing we can do for you but let's not dwell on that and that is about all we have for the podcast those are all the words we said those are the words and we will see you next time in a couple of weeks for Ooh. another podcast well so hopefully we'll be able to wrangle back another bit of quins because he's been off doing stuff which is oh. his prerogative he's like, oh, he's got to have a holiday yeah well you know Got a schmodder. It's got to have a holiday. holiday, Tom. All right, fine. Can't keep him chained up to the radiator all year round. I know, but I have to do that. You know, why doesn't he? You're more junior. Oh, okay. Is that the way? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. All right, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.